Welcome to the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. My name is Andre Chin, broker owner, real estate investor, mega agent, and real estate coach. We're going to be tackling all things real estate, bringing you guests from all across North America, mega agents, mega teams, and we're going to be diving deep into their businesses to figure out how they got to where they are and how they consistently bring that hustle into their business every single day. Buckle up, our podcast starts now. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Hustle podcast. Today we've got Russ Nolting out of the St. Louis area. He is a CEO team leader of uh, KW St. Louis. He's also a MAPS leadership coach and he's been in real estate for over 25 years or just at the 25 year mark. And I'm so excited to learn a bit about Russ, see what he's doing um, in order to help agents continue to grow their businesses. And this one's probably gonna come more from the coaching leadership side. So I'm really excited to hear how to build a really fantastic business. Russ, welcome to the show. Thank you, glad to be here today. So, so Russ, give, give us a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of that journey. I mean, 25 years is, is nothing to sneeze at. And, you know, most people don't even get out of year one, year two, but here you are 25 years later, still rocking and rolling and now leading an office of, of a few hundred agents. I'm not sure the exact number, but that's, uh, that's some pretty big stuff, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey. I actually uh, grew up in a real estate family here in St. Louis. My father was a a developer. Um, we actually developed kind of a unique thing in our area. He, he would buy massive farms and divide them up and sell uh, weekend property for people or, you know, custom homes, uh, home sites for custom homes. And uh, I grew up just liking real estate. I mean, um, he was always stressed. <laughs> we were either rich or poor. And sometimes we were rich one week and poor the next week. Um, and I went off to college and uh, it's gonna be a doctor. And I, and I was sitting at, uh, which is what my parents told me to do. I was sitting at Vanderbilt Medical School one day doing a second round of interviews. And this pediatrician asked me the $10,000 life-changing question, which was, hey, why do you wanna be a doctor? And I sat there and in this moment of clarity <laughs> said to her, well, because my parents want me to be one. <laughs> and I got up and I left the meeting. And uh, that was the end of all of my uh, dreams of becoming a, a doctor. So anyway, um, so I did what, you know, what you do next. And I became a physics teacher. And I did that for about four years. And uh, loved every minute of it, except the uh, pay. And the realization that I had one morning that I was um, doing everything I could to be as good as I could in this role, and I was never going to have income that, that recognized my um, efforts. It was just going to be a, a cost of living raise plus an experience raise, and I knew what I was going to be making in 20 years based on that. So. Um, so I got out of teaching and started looking around and, uh, it was a funky job market at the time. This was like 1998. And, uh, my father said, Hey, I know you hate real estate. I know you have no interest in working with your family, but I need a little bit of help. How about I match your teaching income and you work for me for a little while while you, uh, get your footing and figure out what you're going to do next. And uh, 
And, um, and I had already had a real estate license. I just got it to, I don't even remember why anymore, but uh, I was dabbling a little bit with friends and, and whatnot. But uh, I said yes. And uh, for the first um, eight years or so, I was a developer, built some homes, um, fell in love with real estate at that time. I remember my first, uh, I remember the day school was supposed to start and I was um, on this massive John Deere tractor in about a hundred degrees St. Louis heat, um, uh, brush hogging a, a, like a 50 acre field, smoking this awesome cigar in the air conditioned cab. And I was like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I can do whatever I want. It's fun. And uh, it was fun until about 2006 when our economy in the US completely crashed. And, uh, and our phone literally, like we would look at our phones to make sure they were still on because it, it literally stopped ringing one day. And um, I had two choices. I either would go back to teaching and getting those two and a half percent raises every year, or I would use my real estate license in a different way because selling property at two hours away from St. Louis with gas prices the way they were back then wasn't cutting it anymore. So I got into residential brokerage and started a brokerage in 07. Wow, wow. And, and so what made you go from the sort of the brokerage owner life into sort of now, now running an office in a, in a bigger company, sort of that yeah. independent to, to KW move? So I had, um, so I, I started my own brokerage because it was easy. Um, what I actually did was I took the brokerage that was selling the real estate that we were developing and I just converted to residential. And, um, and I had an amazing first full-time year in 07, um, sold, I think it was 36 homes, which wasn't, didn't pay me as much. I didn't receive as much as I had was making as a developer, but it got me through, you know, my first year in residential. And um, it's funny, this guy uh, who was at KW um, gave me this book, not this copy, but he gave me this book. And I started kind of implementing strategies from it. And I had this idea that I was gonna, you know, build a brokerage, and um, and about two and a half years later, um, I realized, man, this was this was harder than I thought it was going to be, and um, and I cannot remember the question I'm answering. What am I talking about? <laughs> what what made you you get out of the brokerage world and and start oh, yeah. in in our world? Yeah, so I was the typical guy who had a small brokerage. I had about eight agents working for me by then. Uh, and in 2010, what I realized was my sales were funding the brokerage and um, it, it didn't make any sense. And uh, I was coaching with a company called Mike Ferry at the time. I know Mike Ferry. And, um, yeah, and uh, I, I actually was at the Mike Ferry. I can't remember what it was called, but it's like the superstar event or something and it was in San I can't remember it was in San Diego it was my first real estate conference I'm looking around the room 
and everybody has a name tag on and all their name tags say, you know, Keller Williams, Century 21, Caldwell Banker. And I walked up to my coach who was in the back of the room and I said, what, why are all these people paying a broker? They're obviously successful. We're all successful or we wouldn't be here. Why are they paying their broker? Why are they so dumb? And she said, well, you're actually the dumb one because when you are a tiny brokerage like you, you're taking money out of your sales to fund the brokerage, which I just mentioned. Yep. Um, until you get to about 50 agents, you'll never stop doing that. And by the way, when you get to 58 agents, you'll be out of business personally, and you'll just be running and managing those, those agents. So that made me um, begin a search for um, a brokerage to join. And uh, honestly, I walked into Keller, this office, I walked into this room, I had my copy of this book, and I said, I'm curious, is this the same guy on the sign out there? And the woman said, yeah, it's the same guy. And I'm like, okay. Uh, well, I've already been to Cobble Banker and they were too old. And I've already been to, can I say that? I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've already been to Remax and they were too um, um, cold. That was the sense I got in that brokerage. I went to a indie and they were too much like me. <laughs> and I knew I was messed up. So I said, if you guys follow this book, I think I'll just join here. It was the I was the biggest laydown ever and uh, brought 10 agents with me. And uh, that was February like 10th of 2012. And she handed me um, a voucher for a plane ticket to go three days later to um, family reunion in New Orleans. And I remember walking through, I, I missed my flight because of um, snow. And, uh, but I finally got there and I was walking through that enormous convention center in New Orleans and uh, looking at what was happening. And I called my wife and I'm like, you'll never believe this place. This is, this company is crazy. And uh, that was sort of my fall in love with KW moment. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting how you kind of categorized some of some of the other companies and and you know disclaimer all all companies bring something to the table i mean they, they've yeah. all got something we just happen to be in, in kw and and right now we're the number one company in the world that being said though i remember feeling that sort of coldness at 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 remax and um you know it was more described to me more like a shark tank right like it was just everyone kill everyone yeah. doesn't matter you know you kind of do your thing and um you know, that's actually where I started my career, believe it or not. Yeah. And, and KW was, was similar. And it's funny you talk about the, the Red Book. And if you're listening and not watching, um, the Red Book is the MREA, the Millionaire Real Estate Agent. If you haven't read it, go read it. Everyone should read it. And that was kind of my epiphany moment was, was actually the same thing, was reading that book and kind of going, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I was just an agent. I hadn't even gotten to, to your level, but we're starting to see a lot of those conversations where you get these small little independent brokerages and everyone thinks it's, you know, I should do it, right? I should, I should get my little indie. I'm going to get a few agents and those agents are going to sell enough and I'm going to make some money and they don't make any money. Like, right. You know, you get to about 20 agents and you start to see a little glimmer of profit, you know, maybe 50, 60 K if you're running your, your business right. 
And, and you kind of go, why? You know, what, what's it worth doing that? And, and so we're seeing a lot of people actually make the, the indie transition back. So, I mean, now, now you're in KW, you're still selling. Did all 10 agents join you as a team or did they kind of all go do their own thing? And um, what, what did you do then? So uh, interestingly, they did not join me as a team. I used the move to get right with myself about who I wanted to be in business with and who I didn't want to be in business with. Um, very quickly, a few of them left, got out of the business. Um, some of them took a little more time to self-realize. I mean, I wasn't hiring properly. Like I didn't, I was just taking licenses. So um, yeah, no, I used the, mo I used the, uh, the move to kind of change things. So I got new admin um, and then I got new admin again. <laughs> I, I, I made some decisions. And, and honestly, what, what, I, what I decided to do at the time was to uh, use the org model. I mean, use the org model from this book because what I had done like so many other agents is uh, I assumed you know, hire a buyer's agent first. So it was me and a buyer's agent and a virtual um, admin, you know, which didn't make well. any sense. And, I, and, and what was funny about it was, um, of course, my, my buyer's agent was my best friend's wife. And um, her qualifications were being my best friend's wife. Yeah. And I was paying her a salary. I was... <laughs> I was paying her a salary in the middle of a recession. And then, and then of course she got pregnant. And so I cut her hours in half, but gave her a raise because I was a nice guy. And um, it was just a mess. So I really spent that first year, 2010, just getting things right so and, and, and systematizing and um, becoming more profitable. So I went from, I don't know, 3,600 a month is the number that sticks in my head of expenses, not counting the buyer's agent. Um, I went from that to having an $18,000 cap. And um, that was just beautiful to me. Yeah, the rest yeah. is history. Because you only pay when you sell, right? So yeah. all of a sudden the expenses are gone. Yeah, and I remember, you know, as I left, my dad saying to me, he's like, you are so bleeping stupid to pay somebody when you don't have to why are you so dumb and 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 i remember like getting here and, and realizing oh my gosh like this is totally different than i expected and all better in every way yeah yeah so. no i i agree with that i mean you know indies indies are awesome you know if you've got it you know start your independent do your thing you know we're not we're not bashing anyone it works for some some it doesn't work for and they hold on because that that ego piece right it's like yeah. I, I can't let this go i gotta hold on to it even though i'm losing money every single month month <laughs> after month it's, it's funny though i, I want to pick apart you know three things you sort of said in that in that story at the end there you know the first being that kind of hiring thing and it's you know i love hearing these stories of hiring i mean i've been through it took me five shots to get my, my deal that we have now. Um, and each one brought value to the table, but weren't the right fits for whatever various reasons. And here we are as, as realtors, we get this license that we didn't have to do a lot to get. Um, you know, some states are different. You guys are, I think, what, two weekends to, to kind of get in? 
you know, we're, we're about six months. You have to be able to fog a mirror too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's pretty easy to get your real estate license. And, you know, then you come in and you're running this business and, and you've never hired before. You've never been a part of an HR department or set up systems or, you know, even hearing you say profit. That's one of my favorite things to say to a real estate agent is, Hey, how much profit did you make last year? And just watch them glaze over, right? Like, well, I made a hundred thousand. Okay, great. But how much profit did you make? And, and it's, you know, those are, those are three things that, are, are wild to me. And obviously you being a team leader, CEO, that's, that's part of your conversation, but no one's thinking about how to hire. No one's thinking about systems, models, putting those things in their business. And then, and then that last one, right. When I, when I talk to a recruiter, I talk to someone, you know, thinking about getting in the, in the business or been in the business for a while. I always, I love to ask them that question. Hey, what was your profit in, in 2020? And they have no idea. Yeah. And so it's, you know, money in, money out. And, and that was one of the things that, you know, when I got to, to back into KW and I didn't have any systems, like I was, I remember going to my broker and kind of saying, okay, I'm in this business. I don't know what to do. And uh, she, she handed me a, a flyer. It was a flyer to, uh, to go ahead and get a bus at. <laughs> I kind of giggled. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I mean, go do this. And, and you'll be okay. And I was like, there's no way that's the right answer. And, and I shared this with, with our mutual friend, Annie Hannigan, and we were talking about that as well. And, you know, then I come to KW and they, they give me this 411 and this schedule and this, all these things. And I'm going, man, I just got a job. And it's that, it's that transition between this freedom that we come into. And, and it's why we sort of started the show and why we picked the name that we did. And, you know, it's on, it's on the wall behind me as well, where we talk about you come into real estate and you have no idea what you're into. You got the HGTV thing happening. Your phone's going to ring. Like you kind of mentioned it. There was a time when your phone would ring and, and then you get told, you know, Hey, you're going to go sell all this and make six figures. And then you just don't, yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And you got to kind of go from, that to systems and models, lead generation, doing all these things. But then the end game is to that, that profit part, right? Where you're running a business. And so how are you, how are you managing that? I mean, you're bringing a lot of agents in, you're coaching and leading a lot of agents and leadership as well. How are you coaching through that to, to help an agent make that transition from this quote unquote realtor to this business owner that, that you've now become? Yeah. Well, it's a great question. Um, I, I, you're you're 100% right. I mean, most people, when I mean, you can see their your, their wheels turning. You say, "How much money did you make last year?" They take their sales volume and multiply it by three, and that's how much they think they they made. Um, you know, it's all about to me asking a ton of questions, and and helping people realize just how little time they spend thinking about their business and, and, and contemplating what's going on. I mean, we know typical agent is making about 40% to 55% of their gross <laughs> and they have no idea. So just, just giving people through questions, uh, awareness, you know, um, my focus here, I've got 410 agents. So my, my focus here is the 80 agents that do the most business and um, it's having direct conversations. It's asking, asking direct com uh, questions and um, 
And when they don't know, um, giving them training on that and showing them really, I mean, this is a very worn copy <laughs> because it sits on my desk constantly and we're consistently going through it. Now in our office, we do a ton of training. I mean, I, I'm teaching business planning all the time. We go through this, we literally have a book club 20 minutes a day, right out of here. Um, and then we start over again and start over again. And because it's, it's, it's like uh, going to church, you know, you go every Sunday, you hear the exact same thing because on Monday you have no idea what you just had, what you just learned. So, yeah, yeah, no. And that's, you know, training is, is such a big part of it. And again, who would have thought, right. You get this real estate license. Now you gotta go train some more because yeah. everything you learn in school kind of forget it because none of it teaches you how, how to run a business. And I love that, you know, you sort of mentioned those, those 80 plus or, or whatever agents that are the top, the echelon of what you're dealing with. Is there a common theme? Like, are you seeing something between every single one of them that makes them a top performer? Yeah, I mean, so I think there's there's a couple there's a couple things. Um, I see a person. Um, my my parking lot tells me a lot about who's going to be successful. I have access to it right here. I mean, there is something about early and success in real estate. Now it may not be. I mean, I've got the the the, the people that show up late who make a lot of money. Yep but they, they almost always make it at a cost. The ones that arrive early, either physically or virtually and hustle in the morning, they tend to be more successful. They tend to be more successful because the ones that arrive early are generally the ones that are doing the lead generating and they are very actively um, funding their economic model. So we know that for most realtors, you know, if they if they do any business planning, they know how many appointments they need. And then they know how much lead generation they have to do in order to fund those appointments. Um, most real estate agents do something less than half of the amount of lead generation that they actually need to do. So it doesn't support their goals. The ones that get here early, in my experience, tend to grow because they're hitting it before everyone else. You know, we, we get a stat from our real estate association, NAR, every year in the U.S. It always says the same thing. People interview one, possibly two agents. About 85% of the population sticks to that. Yeah. One, possibly two. So early is better than late. Um, and I find that my agents who are finished with lead gen at noon, they tend to be successful. Now, um, that's sort of like the beginner phase. I find that my agents that focus on sellers instead of buyers as the next phase tend to be more successful. Um, we, we all know these agents and you can tell because they just, they're withered. And uh, they may be making tons of money, but because they're so focused on buyers, they're exhausted. Yeah, I mean, I remember like 2012, right before I became a team leader, maybe 2011, I remember getting out of my car one day and I was on like my 20th showing for the day. And I'm like, what am I 
doing? Like, how could I possibly, how could I do this forever? And, you know, I'm 48 right now. So back then I was like, what, 38, 37, something like that. I was exhausted. And uh, you can tell a realtor that doesn't focus on, <laughs> on listings because of how haggard they look. And, and, and finally, like the next level, um, uh, focusing on learning the skill of hiring the right people. And it is tough. So like I see my conversations, newer agent, we're talking about lead generation. Are you doing enough? Next level agents, are you focused on sellers or are you still in the buyer trap? Next level, um, do you know how to identify talent? And when you have identified talent, do you know how to properly bring them in and coach them up? And once you've coached them up, do you know how to keep them by always um, being a few steps ahead of them in terms of your level of leadership? Yeah. Or are you just cycling through and, and, and uh, having all these great talented people quit on you? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I was, I was having this conversation with, uh, with, with Josh Anderson out in Nashville and I'm sure yeah. you know Josh as well. And we were having the, the hiring conversation. He was talking about someone on his team he was actually getting out of business with. And we were having that conversation. You know, th there is a natural cyclical cycle to teams and to, to people coming in and out of organizations. It's, it's just going to happen. Um, but it's, it's finding that sort of core, right? Finding that talented person or those talented individuals that are going to make up your core. They're, they're clear on their vision. They're clear on what they want. They work hard. They do their lead gen, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, you know, talent is a, it, the who is a tough conversation. And I think a lot of people building teams have overlooked that step. You know, it's just, if I, if I generate enough leads and if I do enough of this, and then I just find someone, they'll be fine. Right. Or, or they try to hire through the problem. Right. I mean, I want to do a hundred deals. So I'm going to try to find four people to do 20 and then I'm going to do 20 and we should have a hundred and fingers yeah. crossed. Right. And so those things never work for anyone listening, trying to do it right now. If you're, if you're in that pain, it'll never work. My first team imploded on me. Yeah. Everyone left yeah. all within, all within a year. And I don't share this story often because it's, it's, you know, it's one of those sort of stumbling blocks I've had along the journey. And, you know, we, we recruited fast. We had, we had an admin hired out of the gate which my volume supported. So I, I made that move right. Um, hired her. We had a couple, we had a, a little bit of break in between when she actually started. And when she started, she showed up, she showed up pregnant. So all of a sudden I'm, I'm building this organization and I've got an admin that's leaving me in a few months to, to go off on of maternity leave. So that was kind of the first sort of, okay, well, that's going to cause me a little bit of pain. And then, um, and then we had five agents that I just took. Hey, you, you're cool. I mean, we used to work together. You want to come over? And, and they all kind of said, yes, sure. Let's, let's go join. And it was like eight months later, me by myself and 1400 square feet staring at the wall. And I had to, had to start over. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting that that conversation, but I want to kind of go back to the, the early morning thing. And I remember not knowing anything. And, and like I said, I was at another company, so I didn't have the Red Book or any of this stuff and really didn't have a leader that was invested in my future. Like they, they didn't really care. It was sort of one of those, you know, did you pay your monthly? Yep. You pay your office bill? Yep. Okay, great. <laughs> That's all they cared about. So 
the one thing I started realizing is when I would come to work early, there would only be a handful of agents that would be there. It wouldn't be everyone, right? It wouldn't, it wouldn't be even all, like you said, it wouldn't be all top producers, but it was these stable realtors that just chunked out business year after year. They had really great systems. You know, they were golfing a lot. They were taking time at the cottage. Yeah. They were kind of living the life that I wanted. And I remember saying to my partner at the time, I was like, you know, we got to figure something out. I was like, why don't we just come to the office tomorrow for 830? I don't know what's going to happen. But let's just start coming to work for 830. And I, I have since been at the office every day at 830 or 8 for the last nine years because of that transition. And you're right, it's, it's just a different energy from those realtors that are here every morning. And I see other ones, you know, they show up at noon and they make a lot of money. They show up, some of them don't even show up and they make a lot right. of money, but you're right. They look tired, they look stressed. They, 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 you know, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's good, I'm just so busy. And, and they're off to the next thing. And it's sort of, you know, your, your day starts in the morning. And yeah. I had a, a really good friend out of, um, out of California and he's up extremely early he plays the stock market does a couple of other things and his comment to me was if he was ever to get up at noon by the time he wakes up it's the next day in china and and the east close is already closed right and i remember thinking that is that is really interesting the way the way he looked at it and so he was up at like three in the morning no matter what because he wanted to be on the same playing field as the rest of the world Right. And it, it blew me away. Right. And, and so yeah. still to this day, I'm one of the first people in the office. I continue to be one of the first people in the office. And, you know, it's no surprise. Our team is one of the top teams in the office, as well as, you know, I've, I've consistently been at that sale. So, you know, that piece of coming into real estate for the schedule, that is such a, a BS myth. I need to try not to swear today, but that one frustrates me because I hear it all the time. Why'd you get in a real estate? Oh, for the, for the freedom and the flexibility. Mm. What freedom? What, yeah. like, what are you talking about? Right. And they can't answer you. And so kind of to that point about asking, asking questions, you know, what is it you want to do? And it's kind of been one of, one of my frustrations as I've gotten into leadership and continue to help agents grow is this, this missing link of I'm coming into this business. I don't want to make a lot of money. I want the freedom and then they wonder why they're not here in a couple of years. They just, yeah. You know, they're out well, of the business. same thing that they love will get them right out of the business if they use it the way they think they can use it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll tell you this. I have four kids, been married for 25 years. I don't miss anything because of the freedom and the flexibility. Yet, because of that, I mean, I'm so stuck to my schedule. In fact, my, my regional director, who's also my operating partner, David Brosso, you know him. Um, we were on a call today and like, it's a team leader call. There's supposed to be 33 of us, I think, on the call. And there's like seven or eight. And he said, what, where is everybody? Why are you here? And, and, and my, my honest answer was, I don't know, it's on my calendar to be here. And, and what's funny about it is they we're, we're making a change to that calendar next week. I don't, I didn't even know about it yet. My assistant has the change in my calendar. And next week, whenever that appointment is, I will be there because I, I am absolutely committed to my calendar somewhere over on that sign. It says, if it's not on your schedule, it doesn't exist. And it is so true. And 
like your friend, I start super early, not 3 a.m. I start at 4.30 every day. And, uh, and I do that for, for a number of reasons. One of which is I have four kids and I need two hours to me. And that's where I get my two hours to me. Yeah. So the, the other thing that's on, on the bold laws there and, and for anyone that's taken bold or, or heard about it, just Google bold laws, it'll come up, they'll all be there for you. But is that other piece of that calendar conversation, which, you know, it's not about selling real estate, it's about following a schedule. Yeah. And that one, that one is the one that helped me. It was like, that's really, really interesting. And so I've gotten to that point as well, where if it's not like people will say to me, Hey, you missed this. And I said, well, did you send me a calendar? Right. Well, no, well, I told you to, like, I told you it's not in my calendar. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be at that right. party. I'm not going to be at that lunch. I'm not going to be there. Cause I am very accountable to my calendar. And I had a, I had a friend of mine slash agent and, and business partner that we're getting into business with. And um, I had an appointment with him a few weeks ago. And it was at noon and, and, you know, my phone does this lovely thing of telling me when I need to leave, you need to leave by this time and make yeah. an appointment. So I, I'm, I'm always on time. Um, and I try to be five to 10 minutes early, but this was just one of those tighter days. And uh, I got out of my car right at, at 1159. Our appointment was at 12. And I heard the, the agent go, I told you, he's very accountable to his calendar. It's in his calendar for 12. He's here at 12. Right. <laughs> And I had a good laugh about it because I didn't realize that other people are watching, but, but they are right. They're, they're paying attention to what you're doing and what causes success and, you know, success leaves clues. And, and so if you're listening, guys, this isn't rocket science. And you hear this week after week with mega agents and team leaders and CEOs and, you know, the top of the of KW and other companies. And it's consistently the same message. Get up, get structured, get scheduled and follow a system. Right? Like it's it's so simple. It's just not easy, right? That's right. So, so we always ask for one of those sort of mic drop moments, something that everyone needs to hear, you know, something that you've learned in your career that you make sure that everyone that you're coaching hears at some point in, in that coaching relationship, leadership relationship. What's that for you? Are you willing to share something that our listeners absolutely have to hear from Russ today? And it can't be anything about the Montreal Canadiens, because I've already talked to David about that. Yeah. And we know the Blues are out of the playoffs right now, so that's okay, too. <laughs> you know, um, that's a great question. And I think for me, it, that's the thing that I'm passionate about kind of changes as time goes on. Um, but I'll share this. And, and, uh, and this is what I've been talking to my clients about lately. And it's, uh, and it's two lines. The top line is motivation. And you know, um, motivation comes and goes. You know, you were just talking about more, we were talking about morning schedule. I mean, my alarm goes off at 4.30 and sometimes I look at it and think, this is not the day for me. I'm not getting out of my, my select comfort. I'm not ready for this. Uh, motivation, you know, has peaks and valleys. And the second line is the line of, of commitment. And um, I notice as I talk to agents and I, I coach for KW Maps coaching, I coach team leaders. Some days you feel super geeked up to do your job, to do it well, to kick ass. And some days you're in a trough. 
And, uh, but that second line, the commitment line, commitment is commitment and a commitment doesn't waver. You either have it or you don't have it. And so, you know, to me, what, what I've been thinking a lot and uh, lately and talking to my agents about is, you know, you got to figure out where you are on this commitment line uh, as it pertains to, am I going to go on four listing appointments this month? Am I going to take three listings this month? Am I fully committed or am I just waking up every morning and figuring out where I am? I can't do this backwards and, you know, or am I just going to figure out where I am on the motivation line or am I truly committed? And, uh, you know, I've been, I, I decided after um, 30 years of not swimming, I decided to jump in the pool about, I don't know, three months ago. And, uh, and swim a half mile. And now I'm up to a mile and I'm doing it four days a week and uh, it sucks. <laughs> and I don't like most things about it. And uh, so my 4.30 a.m. schedule is get out of bed, do something spiritual, get to the gym for an hour and then get to the office. Uh, my goal is to be the first car. And um, not because it's about being the first car, but because it's about uh, making sure that I've got time to get my job done. Um, but, you know, I wake up and I'm like, how do I feel today? And yet, am I committed? And, you know, it's funny, uh, the last two weeks or so, every morning, that's where I am on my motivation. But I go because of commitment. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that, that word motivation, that's always been a, a wild card for me when I hear it, um, depending on where it goes. And I, I think you've used it in, in a great thing. I, I struggle with that word because, you know, a very few, few years ago when I was starting, I, I had someone kind of lean into me around my motivation and it actually came in that, that motivation wasn't what I was struggling at the time. It was, it was actually locked loss of passion and um you know we we deep dived on that you know a bit of transformational coaching and, and kind yeah. of it apart and it was it was you know your, your passion was gone it wasn't necessarily the motivation it was the, the passion for what you were doing and and this person who's who's friend of mine he also said you know what are you doing for yourself right now and at the time you know i i was kind of in where you were like kind of bottom of the motivation curve you know yes I'm still getting up early yes I'm still doing everything but it's a drag and and he said well, what are you actually doing for yourself outside of just that and I couldn't answer and that was kind of my kind of aha moment my my defining moment was yeah you know what getting up is great but you got to be passionate about why you're getting up and what it is you're getting up for, right? You're swimming. Yeah, you might hate swimming, but I'm sure there's a reason that you're swimming and it's tied to something in your life. And I think having that motivation tied to that, that passion, that's sort of the next step and that key. If you want to have it, if you want to have that commitment, that discipline long term, there's got to be some passion in there as well. So, so thank you for sharing, Russ. I really appreciate yeah. it. We're pretty well out of time. So, Russ, I know you're in the St. Louis area. You love talking to real estate agents. If someone's looking to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Do they call you? Do they email you? Social media? Like, where, where do we find Russ Nolting if we got to track them down? Yeah. So, social media, Russ Nolting on all, all outlets. And my cell is 314-610. 
and I'm a texter. Love it. Love it. All right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us for another incredible episode of the Real Estate Hustle podcast. Go back, listen to it, take some notes. Russ dropped some gems in there. I've got a couple pages of notes here myself. I love learning from, from other fellow realtors. And Russ, thank you so much. We are on every single platform as well. We're on Instagram. We are on Facebook. We are on Spotify, Apple Music, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. So be sure to take a listen and reach out to Russ if you're in that St. Louis area and you're looking to have a conversation about real estate. You're going you're gonna to learn something at least in a 10-minute conversation. So I suggest you do that. And Russ... Thank you for being a part of our show. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate it.